Hello and welcome to the Ride Like a Mother podcast. This week on the podcast, we are doing something a little bit different. We are taking clips out of some of our interviews that we've done uh, since the beginning because we are on our 22nd episode. I cannot believe that. We just started in the new year and we already have more than 20 episodes. So, whoop, whoop. Okay. So these are clips that we pulled out of each of the episodes because we thought they just did a really great job of answering the questions and they had something really great to say that we thought you, our listeners, would enjoy listening to. So we talk about everything on these episodes from trailers to mindset, motherhood, um, conditioning your barrel horse, all sorts. It's good stuff. Trust me. As I was going through these and editing and listening to them again, I was like, wow, even though I listened to these like three times already, (laughs) I still was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that part. That's so good. So I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, here are some clips from our previous episodes. Okay. Episode Three was Michelle Davy. She is a barrel set racer mindset coach. She has her own podcast as well. And she is talking about motherhood and balancing your time with horses and motherhood. Well, I think a big one is we talked about support systems, but also you talked about how you see all these other rodeo moms or jackpot moms and families and you're like, this is how it has to be. If they can do it, I can do it. And nobody's situation is the same. Everybody's is different. Everybody's passion is different. Everybody's mindset is different. But I think one thing, especially me as a new mom, I suffer with, because <laughs> I haven't found my little niche yet, is the feelings of being selfish. Like, I feel selfish because I want to go riding. Like, when Liv was first born, so Olivia's my daughter, and... um Chance actually worked away for two weeks, maybe home for two weeks. Well, during those two weeks when he was away, I was like, nope, I'm just going to go spend like three days at my mom and dad's house. And my mom's a teacher. So she looked after Olivia for the whole day while I just rode horse after horse after horse and loved it. But, you know, you always have that little feeling of being like, should I be doing this? I feel really bad about doing it, but I think I feel bad because I love it so much. You spend every minute with a little, like you're feeding every hour, every two hours. You're spending so much time that you forget who you are as a person before motherhood existed. So yeah, it's like that transition between, yeah, before you were a mom and having that life to all of a sudden feeling selfish because you want a little bit of that life back. Right. So I don't know if you could touch on that (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And how you overcome that. One one scene that comes to my mind is that self-love is not selfish. And I think mm-hmm. if we can remember that, so you going and taking that time and recognize that it fills your cup, right? It lights you back up. It replenishes mm-hmm. your energy. That is not selfish because when you do take that time for yourself, now you're able to come back and be a better mom. You do That's- have the energy. And mm-hmm. if you think of you know, even you could imagine yourself as a, as a light. Well, <laughs> the kids like drain the light, drain the light, drain the light, drain the light. And if you're never filling that light up, well, I don't know that we ever, I mean, until you hit the health crisis, basically we, 
we that light doesn't run out like our energy does not run out it, it, you get to the bottom and then just boom you can keep going that's how moms are magical right just like you could feel like you have nothing left but magically you can keep going that's not recommended it's not recommended <laughs> to do that what i recommend is that you find these things that fill your light back up you fill your tank back up and you know when i talk about talked about basically being standing holding a baby waiting for Marie to come to the door or leave it was because mm -hmm. like I was on nothing two hours ago and I was you know I was not I was going to turn into a person that that wasn't really a great person if I didn't get mm -hmm. out of there like right now right so I think it's important that we recognize that and then we also recognize that as mothers we are all different so just because your friend can is like being a mom is fills her light up and that's just like awesome you're not a bad person i'm not saying you but if this is a person we're speaking to like that's me <laughs> being a mom does not always fill my light up it's quite mm -hmm. draining whereas i do see that it does fill up some people but i'm not going to make myself wrong because i'm not that people right like i'm not that person who it does and that's okay and just recognize that we are all different and just because there are some moms that can ride with all of their kids at the same time and it's all hunky-dory and they're living the dream doesn't mean that I'm not a good mom because I can't do that. It just means I'm wired differently and I have something different to bring, right? And so back to the whole self-worth and self-love, I think those go together that you need to value yourself and recognize how, you, how you're wired you're wired mm -hmm. for, for, to be, for your light to be filled up by taking time away. And that's what fills you up. And that doesn't make you a bad mom. That makes you a smart mom because you recognize that. And yeah. you're also the mom who is going to teach your children. You know, we talk about our children learning from us or like um, regular, they regulate themselves off of us and our nervous systems. So if you're able to go and basically heal and reset your nervous system away from your kids, you're going to come back and be a better mom and they're going to be able to regulate off of you. Whereas if you are staying there and you're fried, like your nerves are fried, they feel that, they sense that. And then the wheels fall off the bus. The kids start misbehaving because they're feeling, they feel your nervous system is frazzled. And now mm -hmm. it's not feeling like a safe environment for them. And I don't mean safe as in, you're going to lose your mind with, or, you know, <laughs> which I mean, totally fly off the I have, so <laughs> like when the top blows off, you know, like, but they start to feel that before it happens. And then it kind of snowballs and gets worse because their nervous system is sensing your nurse nervous system is, is frazzled and it, and they recognize that and it feels alarming for them they don't know it they're just feeling this is all at an energetic level and it's no different than if you're um, nervous before a barrel race and your horse starts getting kind of hot because you're nervous they're just mm -hmm. feeling your nervous system and the same thing is happening with your kids too so self-care is not selfish it is essential and it is necessary and it's your job on your journey as a mom or even not as a mom, because it's not just your kid, it's your partner, it's your friend, everybody is co-regulating off of how you're showing up in your energy. So it's, I feel like it's our, our job, our 
responsibility. That's the word I want responsibility as a person to Mm -hmm. take care of ourselves, because that's, what's going to make us a better human for everyone else in our lives. So it's essential. And you just have, everyone has to figure out uh, what's best for you, what fills up your cup or what lights you back up, what fills your soul. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's reading a book, maybe it's uh, pottery, maybe it's painting, but for us horse people, a lot of it's horses. Okay, this next episode is Pam McIntyre, episode seven, and she is a horse breeder and raises rope horses, has a great stud, and has actually um, sent her horses down to the States to compete in some major competitions. So she is talking about how prospecting, so how to go about buying prospects. So here she is. So say somebody came to you and they're looking somebody's looking for a prospect. Do you have tips for what they should be doing, who they should be talking to, um, and, and what they should be looking for when they're buying a prospect? Maybe the right questions to ask when they go to a breeder? Um, for me, if people come to me for a prospect, I usually have the questions for them, like, what are they <laughs> looking for? <laughs> because I find when I, let's say I have 20 colts in the pen, it's really overwhelming for people. They come out there and they might completely pick the wrong colt for them. So I usually start asking the questions, what are you wanting to do? Like, let's eliminate some of these horses. So lots of times, like we mainly get people wanting um, rope horses. So I say, okay, which, which end are we looking for? A head horse, heel horse, or switch ender? Or are you going to be ranching on them? Stuff like that. And we start the elimination process. Um, I do sell a lot sight unseen. So the people give me their list. We go through them and then we come to a consensus which horse and we send out. And so far, knock on wood, everybody's been very happy with what I've sent. But some people are very specific. I want a Palomino with socks or um, I want something really fancy next person doesn't care they they're more concerned about structure and being super correct something like that so so yeah it's a it's an elimination process and even it gets down to movement how do you like your horses moving do you like a big mover do you like them a little bit shorter moving so yeah for sure so come come with your goals in mind think about what you want ahead of time so that you can get the right horse for you yeah Okay, this episode is Maddie Stoltman, episode nine, and she is a barrel racer and a business owner, and she's got her YouTube channel, so check out what she's got to say. We were talking about building a business. So, okay, so say somebody is wants to do kind of something similar to you, build a business uh, that supports their riding career, and but they're like right at the beginning and they don't necessarily believe that they have the time or the finances or the skill to actually pull it off. Do you have any like tips or advice for them? Um, well, the, for me, like I started all completely self-funded and that's why I started with a box of 12 hats. (laughs) So (laughs) that's all I had to put into it. It was like, I did not have a lot of money. I think people think, you know, and maybe things would happen faster if you could put more into it. Like if I, 
you know, could have bought a whole bunch of stuff right in the beginning and had product to sell, whatever. Um, but that was just where I was at. And so, you know, just because it's small doesn't mean it's not going to snowball and turn into something else if you focus your energy on it. So, you know, I think just starting with where you're at and don't feel this need to like go into debt to do something. Um, I do think you kind of need to spend money to make money, but it doesn't have to be big money to be a start. Um, you know, and I think too, like I, it's probably a good thing I didn't throw a lot of money at it at the beginning because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I didn't know what was going to be popular, what people would like. Um, yeah. So, you know, you kind of have to learn as you go. And I think, um, something that I have got caught up in before is uh, researching and thinking you're getting somewhere. So you ask a lot of questions, you look into something, you read about it, you talk to a million people. Um, but if you don't actually take action, it's useless. So, oh. you know, yeah, action <laughs> is like, you guys, if you want to do something, you have to actually do it. <laughs> you're totally talking to me here. I'm a research queen too. <laughs> and that's been my and motto for the last ourselves. year. Yeah, action. we fool ourselves into action. thinking that we're like being productive because we're busy, but it's not productive at all. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing something, but is it really moving you towards where you want to be? So, you know, uh, that's something that's important too, is just to take the action. So, you know, and I think too, like when it comes to the time aspect, you know, our generation, especially you two are kind of in the same age bracket as me, give or take. And it's like, we're so used to instant gratification. So I think people uh, put some time into something and you work at it for a month and it's like, oh, it's not working. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's been a month. Like, you know, do you think that like the biggest companies in the world were created over? Episode 13 was with Sherry Harbridge. Her and her husband are building a ranch life. They work on ranches and they have a bunch of kids. And so she's talking about motherhood and motherhood tips. You have to start thinking, how do I transfer the ownership of this job to them instead of it being the thing that I'm carrying all the time? So I'm repeating what I'm saying, but I'm actually wanting them to take complete ownership of it. So that was the scenario I was thinking, but there's so many different scenarios that I could dive into with that question. So that's just the one that I picked. (laughs) What do you actually mean when you say transfer of ownership? Do you like just describe it to them? Like, I know you just said you could talk on a a whole podcast episode on this, but maybe (laughs) give Cole's notes here. (laughs) Yeah. Ownership is when they, it's something that they want to be. So generally I'm talking to them about who they want to be when they grow up. And I talk about, so they are thinking about who they want to be, how they want their life to be and the impact of their choices on their life. And so, and it's not in a condemnation type way that I'm having this conversation. When I'm talking to them, it's very much more of a coaching position that I'm taking. It's like, so what, how do you want to be in your life? Did you, do you know how, if you were to develop this skill, do you know how this would benefit you? It's very much giving, when I'm talking to them, they are the one choosing who they want to be and how it's going to impact them. And for the most part, I get their buy-in because they catch the vision for why this is even important to me. Episode 14 was Charmaine Grad, and she has a health... um, coyote flats equine wellness center and she is also a barrel racer and so she's talking about her facility and um how to take advantage of all the services that they have to offer 
what would the lengths of stay that you would like recommend with their uh, being there at your facility? Most horses typically come for a month. Um, okay. That gives you a pretty good sense of where you're at with your recovery process. It gives you time to get them trained up to the treadmill, which is a big part of it. We want to make sure mm -hmm. that every horse is very comfortable in there. And once you get them to a full depth where you're shoulder deep, stifle deep, it's about four to five minutes to drain. So you want to make sure that they are comfortable in there or else it's a very stressful four minutes. Um, <laughs> And every horse takes to it differently. There's some horses that are very quick to pick up on the treadmill. Um, there's others that it takes them a while to figure out why is the ground moving below me? Why is there water coming in? Is this mm -hmm. a good thing? Um, so that's usually that first week that we're really dealing with, with those new horses when they come. Um, obviously with the ones that are picking up on it sooner, we're able to go straight to their protocol um, the ones that are taking longer, we just want to make sure again that they're comfortable with what we're doing before we worry too much about that exact protocol because um, they'll get the, more out of their workout in the end. So once we get to week two, then we're starting to usually increase some of the intensity. Once again, it all depends on what surgery was done, what injury it is. Uh, conditioning, we're just generally always trying to ask for that little bit more each week. Um, week three is when you'll start to see a little more change in their body um, in toning or conditioning. Uh, week four is typically once we really start to see a change happening. Um, our horses that come for conditioning that are that four, six, eight weeks, there's a significant difference in their muscle tone, their stride. Episode 20 with Shyla Fuchs. She is talking about conditioning your barrel horse and all things that go along with that. She has an equine wellness center in Manitoba and is also a barrel racer. I think a horse has to be well-rounded. So conditioning is not only in the physical, it is also in the mental and nutrition side of things as well. Because as we all know, if you don't eat well, you can't perform well. And if you're mentally not there, you also cannot perform to, to your best ability. So um, in regards to the physical, um, strengthen, strengthening muscles so that they have power and stability is a huge thing. So Yes, barrel racing is about speed, but it is also about turning a barrel really tight, really fast. And if your horse doesn't have stability muscles and the strength to do that, um, a couple things can occur. Injuries are a huge thing. And um, as well as your horse just physically cannot do it as good as, as you would like them to, or as tight or as fast as you would like them to. So, um, you also need to have their wind up, obviously, because they're running a barrel pattern. So they have to be fast and they have to have some endurance at a very high speed. So that is also very important. So long trotting and loping is also like a really good thing to do. I have found that
episode 18 was with Kelly Stewart. He is a Flamin's trailer salesman, and he is talking about all the things that you need to think about when you're purchasing a trailer. Super great episode if you're shopping. <laughs> For rodeo people, I guess, as far as trailers have you sold, what trends or what kind of aspects are the biggest thing that people want? Like, do they really need that hay rack? Do they need that middle tack? Is what's kind of the things that everybody's must-haves or I guess it probably depends on each family. Right. Like, yeah, the hay rack is pretty important. The onboard generator is huge. Oh, yeah. um, you know, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where uh, um, you get to the point where, yeah, onboard generators are, you might as well get it from day one. Um, they're all set up. You can start them inside. Convenience is huge now. Um, nobody hasn't got a pile of extra time to do those added things that we used to do years ago, like run out in your socks and get your generator started and <laughs> and, and, and shut it off before bed because you don't want it to run out of gas. You know, nowadays, uh, yeah, they, they want place to haul hay. They want to be comfy. Like if you if you're gonna really target like rodeo people that that go, you know, 25 weekends, you know, early spring to late fall, uh, they might as well get. They're gonna live in it pretty mm -hmm. much. So yeah. you know, you might as well get it set up. And and each time you add a, a youngin to the to the the equation, <laughs> then uh, you know you you have to be prepared and and. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, what I see some of those guys making mistakes is, well, you know, I, there's only me and her and, and two horses, plenty or three horse, you know what, think about down the road, you, you always do four, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, like to try to find a nice used four horse right now is really tough. Mm -hmm. um, you can find lots of threes because people, you know, realize that, holy crap, I had another kid and, and they want a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know not so much the living quarters part it's it's the horse area where it's always the issue people mm -hmm. seem to be always happy with what they picked uh the living area it's it's more the fact uh, the end of it you know you can't squeeze four in a three-horse trailer it's just a little too crowded mm -hmm. so you know now now yeah. it's five, <laughs> five and six so episode 15 was with quentin blair country music singer and he's talking about enjoying the country lifestyle and owning your sunsets, like making sure that you're taken every day as it comes and really enjoying each day. I want to play music. I want to ride horses. Mm -hmm. I find healing in music and I find healing in the woods and peace in the woods. And that is such an important thing that you can share. And so I wrote a song. There's a fella in uh, in Tennessee. He's he's a Canadian, but he um, he produces songs and writes songs in Tennessee. His name is Dwayne Thompson. And uh, Dwayne and I were writing a song in um, uh, September. I was down on a writing trip, and I came up with this idea of like burning sunsets. Like we only get so many sunsets in life. Like we none of us know how many we get so don't burn one don't waste one and own your sunset right so it's like if you want that to happen don't sit there and go well someday just find a way to get to that point where you can own that sunset so that's kind of like my 
my life mantra these days, just kind of going, if that's something I want to do, find a way just to make that work. And I mean, like yeah. I do these as businesses, like I do these, like quote unquote professionally, um, like finding, <laughs> finding ways to like, to do this and you go like, you know what, it's, it's, it, we're all kind of unique in, in what our pursuits are. Episode 19 with Don Ray Gray was all about jackpots, hosting a jackpot, how to be a good contestant at a jackpot. What exactly do you need when you host a jackpot? Like what kind of people, volunteers, everybody to help out, especially when you have kids that are in it? What makes it go flow by easy, I guess? What are necessities for people? Um, well, the, the ground is number one, right? Uh, Jacqueline goes in ahead of time and marks out the pattern. We've been lucky. We can usually keep the same pattern most of the season. Sometimes we shift it by some a few feet when we get to our Sizzler or our Northern Lights and we have to you know, move things around because there are so many runs and sometimes it can get punched out and stuff. But then brings in our the Kubota tractor with the rake behind it and the four wheelers with the panel. We find a panel moves the ground a lot better than the rakes sometimes because the sand will just go through the teeth, whereas the panel will actually move that ground into that hole. Um, Kathy and Duncan in the in the hut there. We need to move <laughs> the hut to the other side. Oh, my phone's ringing. Go. <laughs> Kathy and Duncan, or Kathy and Duncan is always the good entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> Need to get the hut onto the other side of the arena for them because every second Monday night they're staring into the sun. No. <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah, not the best spot for it, I guess. But And what do you need for equipment in the booth with them? Well, in the booth, uh, Jacqueline has a sound system for announcing. Uh, we have two big speakers on the outside of the booth. Uh, we have a set of, uh, well, between the three families there, we have three sets of timers. Oh. <laughs> um, but our bigger jackpots, we run two sets, one on top of each other, so that we always have a backup time if that one time malfunctions, because that can happen too. A uh, rock will get thrown up or something will break that beam and they'll have a no time or they don't get set off right. So we find that running two timers and we just designate one console as timer one and use that. And if timer one should fail, we go to timer two, which oh, that's a great idea. Then you don't have as many, you don't have, well, you should barely have any reruns, right? Like, especially in a double header night or buyback runs or something. And Episode 21 is with Rusty Ray Woodard, and she is a barrel racer and a good one at that. And she is talking about bloodlines of barrel horses. And then we also got into some mindset. So this clip is about mindset and it is good. It's very, it's very easy to get caught up in the negative. It's yeah. very easy to get caught up in the negative. And, uh, Oh, it's kind of, it's kind of like if you get knocked down seven times, you better get up eight, right? Like, um, <laughs> so I, I always tell people that are in a slump and we all go get in slumps, like whether, whether it's just life in general or you're with your horse or whatever, you know, I, there's a lot of people, we all, we all video our runs, which is great. Yeah. I think everybody should video every run that you ever make. 
um, because you can watch it and learn something from every run. But at the same time, a lot of people will, you know, go out there and maybe not have a stellar run and they'll sit there and they'll watch that video 10 times over. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, watch that one video, that bad run, watch it once, figure out what you need to do and then erase it off of your phone. Don't keep watching it. Go back and watch mm. the 10 good runs that you made before that bad, bad run and just oh, reinforce yeah. the good in your brain. You need to reinforce the good. All right. Thanks everybody for listening to the Ride Like a Mother podcast. I hope that the knowledge suits you well and that you can take it to your community. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. So hit that subscribe button. And we would love your support. And you can show that support by leaving us a review on your podcast platform or sharing this episode with somebody you think might find it interesting and valuable. We meet here every Thursday, same time, same place. And we will see See you at the next next jackpot. jackpot.